Hello, everybody, and welcome to Blueprint CFO Presents, our biweekly podcast featuring future-focused entrepreneurs. Today's guest is Marcus Taran, President and CEO of MovieTherm. Hello, Marcus. Hey, Jim. Thanks for having me on. appreciate it. And it's going to be exciting to have Marcus on. He's got a very interesting company, and um, we'll learn all about it in a few minutes. But first of all, our sponsor of our program is Blueprint CFO. We are a, a fractional CFO and outsourced accounting firm. We work with our clients to help them grow their business and make more money by bringing them timely and accurate financial data that they can use to make better business decisions. Our website is www.blueprintcfo.com. Thank you very much. And so, Marcus, let's uh, get into our, our interview. Number one question is, Tell us a little bit about uh, MovieTherm. What, what, is, what does MovieTherm do? Yeah, so MovieTherm, um, the, the name itself comes from motion vision thermography. That's how we have derived the name. So we are a thermal imaging company and we're kind of a hybrid. We have a hybrid business model in that we are a distributor. So we, we, we sell thermal imaging cameras for the do-it-yourselfers, if you will, strictly business to business. Um, you know, systems integrators and such. And then we have uh, product solutions that we have developed for quality inspection, for uh, plastic welding, package inspection, those kind of things. We have a line of non-destructive test systems for mainly for the aerospace, uh, doing uh, defect detection in carbon composites, um, you know, in, in the manufacture of aircraft components. And we also have a, a cloud-based IoT solution for early fire detection and, and condition monitoring. Um, and then we also act as a systems integrator. So if a customer needs us on a bigger project to come in and actually install things and get things going, we, we do that as well. That's cool. So before I met Marcus, I didn't know what thermography was. Um, I've you know, since found out there's all kinds of uh, uses of it. It's uh, basically using infrared, infrared cameras to do heat detection. Would that be a fair way of describing it, Marcus? Yeah, there's really two categories. There's the um, surveillance world that just uses it um, under the term of night vision. They're just, you know, they're just concerned with like, can I see something at night without any illumination? And they take the infrared radiation just to create contrast uh, at a night scene. Typically, again, surveillance, uh, military type uses. We are um, on the different end of it, of the spectrum, and we actually go one step further and we have calibrated temperature, calibrated cameras. So we can not only just see the infrared radiation, but we can actually measure pixel by pixel what is its temperature. So you could be 200 feet away standing in, in the forest somewhere and I, I point the camera at you and I can tell you what your what your temperature is from, from a distance, essentially. That's crazy. <laughs> I, I know one of the applications I've seen is an industrial laundry uses our systems to uh, do uh, remote monitoring of their facilities to make sure there's no fires breaking out. Is that a, a a good way of describing it yes yeah we have several industrial laundry facilities actually that use our iot based cloud uh, early fire detection and and they have issues with um, uh, spontaneous combustions they have dirty laundry coming in soiled laundry and it comes in from different industries typically from you know medical and maybe automotive and there's like oils and solvents mixed in and it gets compacted and you know, if the wrong chemicals interact with pressure under the right conditions together, it just can go poof and, and then you have a big problem. And so what we can monitor with those those cameras is actually the development of that exothermic reaction. And we can we can basically give an early warning notice to somebody via text message or voice call 
and said, hey, you better look over there. You better get that pile sorted out real quick or pushed outside because otherwise you're going to be sorry in a few minutes from now. You know, So it's, wow, it's that advanced cool. notice before something happens. Right? Yeah. And one of the latest innovations is is an all one unit that has everything in it: the camera, the server to interact with the internet, connect with the internet, et cetera. Right? Is that that's something new that I saw? Yeah, we have a we call it a gateway. Uh, the gateway is basically the gateway between the cameras and, and even other sensors. Where our system is kind of sensor agnostic, so we can also do a sensor blend. If if there's other sensors, let's say a smoke detector, in addition to augment what the cameras can do, uh, we can put this in, and and then the gateway radios up the signals, if you will, to our cloud-based solution, which runs on an uh, Amazon web-based server. Uh, and we can even do this either through the, the infrastructure of the customer, or if they say, like, we don't want this to touch our, um, our internet connection, uh, we can also do this via uh, cell phone and go off-grid, if you will, and just go directly up in, in a fully secure kind of a fashion. That's, that's amazing. So, um, you know, I don't know of any other companies that do that, but what makes MovieTherm special in its industry? We have a motto um, called uh, simplify the complex. So I, I tend to look at applications out there. How have they been traditionally being solved, whether it's thermally or non-thermally? But now how can I apply thermal imaging technologies to this problem, but make it really simple to use, but yet be really powerful, right? So. So that's really what we're big in, and we're constantly innovating um, on that front. And, and the IoT cloud-based solution was, was one of those testimonials there where in the old traditional way, people write software, they have it running on a PC, they have to install this, then the IT department has to manage the, the IT equipment, you have to update Windows, things break. It, it, and we, we used to be there as well. We used to be one of those solutions providers, and then it's like, and this is really not the best way of doing this. How can we simplify this, right? It's too complex. So we came up with our gateways and it's almost like subscribing to your cable provider. You get a modem, you plug in your camera equipment over ethernet, uh, push a button and you're off and running and you can monitor and you don't have to worry about anything, right? And everything is controlled remotely, all updates. You don't, it all happens behind the scenes. We take care of everything. We even tell you if a camera's not working, you get a text message that says, hey, Hey Jim, your camera seven in that corner is not working. Um, can you make sure the cable is plugged in? And if not, you know, we can we can get you a new camera or something along those lines. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. So going back, uh, and how long the company was founded? How many years ago? Gosh, almost next year we're going to have our twenty fifth anniversary. So in nineteen ninety nine is when I when I. Wow, you don't even you don't look that old, you don't look that old, Marcus. So how, how did, did you start it when you were like ten years old or something? <laughs> well, no, I was um, how old was I? Twenty four or something? Yeah. And what made what made you get into this business? I'm assuming you had an engineering background or some sort. Yeah, so I, I grew up and I was educated in Germany. I, I studied um, electronic engineering, uh, uh, radio and television engineering, and computer science. And I kind of I literally dealt still to Tell you hold. I am. Um, I I was um, dealing with analog cameras and, and the old CRT tube type TVs and everything else still. And then later on, I added the computer um, science degree to it, and and then stuff became digital. And that's kind of when I combined the the video stuff, the old analog stuff, and digital digital solutions with that. And then we really were on the front end of this business or this industry, which we call machine vision. Is right. It describes basically taking software, taking industrial cameras and making um, decisions based on software on, on what the camera sees automatically. That's kind of the thing. And then 
later on, the, one of the largest thermal camera manufacturers, FLIR Systems, a lot of people know FLIR, they're, they're now called Teledyne FLIR. Uh, they reached out to us and said, hey, we only have software that runs on a, on a computer and you have to click on it with your mouse to see what the temperature is. Can you automate this for us? Can you write software and do image processing on, on a thermal camera? And I'm like, sure. So that's how we kind of started. So I, I really think, as far as I can tell, we really started this whole machine vision world with thermal imaging and, and, and kind of uh, went in there first. I, it's my yeah. understanding. You know, unless somebody... that was, was that 25 years ago? Yeah. So why did they come to you? What you were were you involved in the camera industry at that time, or? Um, I had started my business more as a single man consultant. I was doing um, you know automation type work, but I always had that that knack for for doing uh, image processing, and I was looking for ways to combine that. Best back then, there wasn't even much of a standardization available, so everything had to be done from scratch on a pixel by pixel basis. Um, back in the days, I, I partnered up with a company called National Instruments. They're doing data acquisition uh, um, hardware and software, and I, I got uh, certified with them. Um, and then my, my local salesperson um, was actually hired away by FLIR. So I had already that relationship with him, and he kind of got me into FLIR because he remembered doing business with me on that end. And that's kind of how I got pulled into the whole uh, FLIR thermal imaging business and that's kind of how that got kickstarted back then yeah wow that's amazing so i know i think i know the answer to this but when you were going to school and you got it somehow you got into engineering were you ever thinking that this is what you're going to end up doing at the end of the day or or probably not i'm assuming so i never had the foresight if you will or the vision of of doing an imaging company let alone thermal imaging that got kind of morphed into it um however I was absolutely fascinated. I still remember the day my, my parents gave me for Christmas a an electronics experimenter kit when I was 11 years old. And I took this thing and, and I built my own little mini crystal radio and I was able to tune into a radio station and I was absolutely hooked. I was so excited about electronics. That was the moment in my life I knew I wanted to do something with electronics and technology. Just wow. absolutely at 11, 11 years old. Yeah, and that excitement has not faded till today. I'm still as giddy about technology as I was back then when I was 11 yeah. years old. It's interesting because I've you know I've interviewed a lot of entrepreneurs, and a lot of times it 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 is how a company starts where a customer asks, "Can you help us with this solve this problem?" Yeah. And it takes you down the road of of developing a company that you know focuses on that solving that problem. <laughs> yeah. So, so uh, it's really interesting because I don't want to say that it's lucky, but it's kind of, it's just like being in the right place at the right time, I guess. Right. And I, I even had with 16, I had my own, my first own business in the basement of my parents. I was starting to repair TVs and radios in the neighborhood and those kind of things. So I had that already as a side job. Was that you know? in Germany? Was that in Yeah. Germany? Yeah. How did you come to the U.S.? So my dad was installing textile machines around the world, and, and uh, he ended up uh, installing one of their largest machines in L.A. at a company called Lora Industries. They're, they're no longer um, around, unfortunately, uh, because the textile market crashed in around 2000. But um, he asked me if I could come out and help him automate that machine because one of his um, automation engineers got sick. And he says, hey, I, I need I need somebody to come out quick. Um, I can't get anybody from my company. Everybody's you know out. And about and and I'm like, where are you? And he's like, I'm in LA. He said, sure, send me a ticket. So I'm like, 
so I went, I was, I was just done. I was I just graduated in Germany and I, you know, I was free to go to do whatever. And this sounded really exciting to go to LA. You know, I, I grew up in a very small little town, 3,500 people in the middle of, uh, you know, the forest in Northern Germany. And so anyway, it was a big adventure for me. And so I, I went in there and I, but it was really cool. It was being able to work with my dad for a whole year side by side and see what he really does. And so I learned a lot there. And then, um, the the owner after a year the, the machine was run off it was all good and the owner said yeah yeah you're, you're not going anywhere you're staying here so he hired me on and i kind of became the planned engineer for a couple more years till till 1999 and then i kind of went on my own after that oh that's that's cool never never left <laughs> so you started it was just you and, yeah. and now the company's grown to i don't i can't remember how many employees like 30 or 40 i think right no, not quite. Fifteen currently. Oh, 15. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So as you're growing, um, has there been rough spots? Has there been times that oh. you know, things weren't kind of going very well and you needed to re reinvent yourself or oh, absolutely. Go in a different yeah. direction? Yes, absolutely. So my roughest spot was, was in the very, very beginning. I actually had started this company coming from that textile background. Um, I had made a lot of connections with European textile manufacturers, and my my first idea for this company was actually sales and service for for European textile machine manufacturers, like my dad did, kind of a thing in in the U.S. on the West Coast. And I had actually signed up uh, six or seven of those, and it started out pretty nice, and then uh, the textile market crashed, and so everybody started to diversify their product lines. And, and so they created cross competition, right? Because everybody had overlap all of a sudden where they had before been really focused on, on a particular specialty. So all of a sudden the phone calls came in from these folks that I was representing and they were saying like, Hey, if you keep you like representing this company, you can no longer represent us because we have uh, competition here. And, and everybody kind of did this with me. So I, I ended up with like one or two and I'm like, that's not enough business for me. I can't sustain this. And Talk about a rough spot. I at one point in the very very early stages, I was down to two hundred dollars in my name, <laughs> and I I didn't have enough I didn't have enough money to to pay the rent or pay a ticket back. And at the same time, I was too proud to call my dad and says, "Can you bail me out?" And uh, incidents had it that next morning at five o'clock, the phone rang and one of my customers was in distress, and he says, "Can you come out here right now? My machine is down. You got to do. You got to help me." And and I said, well, you have to pay me today. And he says, yeah, no problem. <laughs> and that, well, that, was, that was good. I know that was a cool yeah, smiling down on you there on that one. Yeah. And then later on, I pivoted outside of, of the whole textile world because again, the, the whole kind of a market crashed, everything moved over to India and China and everything else. And it kind of was no good. Um, a lot of companies went out of business around that time, including the one that I used to work for. So anyway, so I, I pivoted and then, then this whole relationship with, with FLIR started and, and I was, uh, you know, branching into this whole world and kind of building my company up from the ground there. Yeah, that's great. Um, so you own your own business and uh, you're the president and CEO, which means you're in, in charge of everything. What's what's the good part about owning your own business? So I think I've created initially I've created um, my dream job by creating this, this, I was just following my curiosity and technology, right? Total technology geek. I was completely passionate, still am about technology. And I, I just created my dream job is the best way to describe this because I could, I could go and solve so many 
different problems and work with so many different companies. And we were very um, technology focused and very industry open. So I got to see a lot of different manufacturing companies. How do they work? I had to learn all the ropes real quick to be able to solve their problems everywhere. So that that was really, and it's still it's still kind of like that, where it's really exciting to see and being able to help other companies to succeed and, and you know improve their their processes. Yeah. Well, oh, that's funny because that's kind of what how I see it, what I do. <laughs> so yeah. Cool. yeah. Uh, so then I, you know, there's always a downside. What about what's the bad part of owning your own business? Or is there anything that you can think of that you wish you did, you know, you didn't have that on your plate? Well, um, I, mean, I guess it comes naturally with the territory. Probably every every other entrepreneur can can kind of empathize with this. Um, I mean, it, it, it comes with a, a lot of commitment, right? As you know, too, as a business owner, it's like it, it, the clock never starts ticking. It doesn't matter whether you're on vacation or, or on the weekend or whatever. I mean, you, you had constantly ticks on thinking about the next thing, having the next problem to solve in the business or for the customer or this or that. Everybody in the company comes to you looking to you as the leader to solve my problem as well. So you, you never get out of this mindset of obviously being responsible for everybody and and their families and and everybody every every one of your customers and and your company so there's a lot of you know stress like the constant level of pressure there right that you can never really escape when you're when you own a business right so that's um it comes with a territory i mean you can't let that let that get to you too much but yeah, that, that comes with it. I always kind of chuckle when I, when I hear uh, young people that uh, aspire to become entrepreneurs. Oh, I want to I want to be my own boss, you know, and they have this vision of it's going to be so great and I have the greatest freedom and it's going to be, you know, I don't have a, a boss telling me what to do and it's going to be and man, are they wrong? <laughs> well, because it, yeah. It's hard to picture that you kind of like are, you're the you're the, the, your employees are your boss actually, and your customers are your boss. So you, yeah, you're serving. You're not, just, you're not just the boss, right? I mean, if I compare myself with working for a company, I can really like when I go home at night. You know, it, it's my time. It's my family time. If it's on the weekend, it's my weekend. I don't have to worry about work anymore. I mean, sure, can there be some issues that I'm worried about as an employee? But it's it's really and I get my I get my paychecks like a clockwork. Like everything is nice. You know what I mean? Like I don't have those worries at all. And then once you become an entrepreneur, all bets are off the table. Like you, you gotta really like if you don't function well every day, all day you know, things go south. You, you have to yeah. make sure you're on top of things all the time, right? So that's a whole nother existence there, you know. I mean, it's rewarding, don't get me wrong, but it's, it's that should be considered, you know. It is rewarding, but it's a lot of pressure, you know. And so right, right. I kind of, I think it ties out to the blueprint name that we have, you know, which is around think, being strategic. And because you can't rest on your laurels, you, you know, you've done a good job getting to where you are, but then what's the next thing? Because you have to keep moving or otherwise you you're going to get passed up by the competition. Right. And that's hard. That's another hard part of it is, is, be, you know, being clever enough to know the way to go and, and being smart about it because you could go the wrong way and, you know, organize right. everybody's careers and, you know, go down, go down in flames. So 
you can't you can't just say whatever you're doing today is always going to be good and you'll make money from it you know 10 years now you have to continually reinvent yourself which is challenging absolutely correct we we had to re reinvent ourselves so many times i mean i i think this this is outside of the scope of this um, podcast yeah, don't oh my, that. yeah we had done so many things you know yeah yeah well, I'm going to throw you a curveball here and a question, but we're looking at artificial intelligence and how it's going to affect the accounting industry. Have you, have you are you doing anything with respect to AI and in movie term? Yes, absolutely. Um, as a matter of fact, we're we're part of the uh, A3 Business Association, which is the the um, association for advancing automation, and part of that is um, robotics, machine vision motion control and lately also the AI, the artificial intelligence. So it's actually part of our industry association. And as a company, we have been using it um, back in the days during COVID times. We have uh, developed AI based solutions. We are using it for our fire detection uh, situation as well. So we are heavily using it. Um, and it's it's fascinating technology. You have to take it with a grain of salt. It's it, it is, in my opinion, still on some level overhyped. A lot of people use it for their marketing as a like, oh, this is like, oh, it's AI. And it's like, you know, you have to really understand AI and, and, and understand its limitations um, to make sure that you're not stepping into something where you, you think this was the silver bullet, but it really isn't. And now you have a really complex system on your hands that doesn't work. Yeah, I think it's like in accounting, it's a piece of the puzzle that we need to be smart about, yeah. and take advantage of to keep our costs down. But um, it's not the end all be all of accounting, believe me. Right. right. There's, there's a lot. I mean, someday it might be, but yeah. um, during the last few years, we had a situation called COVID. Yeah. And, uh, every, you know, I always ask the, the, the guests on the show, how were you affected by COVID? Because lots, some companies had a real hard time. Other companies, you know, was the best time they ever had. <laughs> what? How did it affect movie therm? Yeah. Talking about a curveball. Um, I mean, when I, I was monitoring the news and I, I saw this whole like outbreak, uh, you know, abroad and then all of a sudden, you know, travel restrictions. And I'm like, oh, I, I saw this big wave coming towards us. And I'm like, obviously, you know, my, it's my job to to predict what's happening and respond to it. But I'm like, this is going to kill our industrial businesses. Everybody's shutting down and you, you're working from home and all those kind of things. I could I could see a massive threat rolling towards us. Right. So we happen to be in the thermal imaging business. So we're like, okay. Um, and we knew this back from the SARS outbreak, um, thermal imaging cameras had been used for detecting um, temperature or fever, if you will, um, and on, on human skin. So we're like, we pivoted within three weeks, we launched a new product and it was all hands on deck. We did like 24 seven development. And that was our, our AI solution in there as well, where we, we had to detect is a, is, is a person standing in front of the camera, where's the face, where are the eyes, because the, the best way to measure the temperature most accurately is like on, on the corner of your eyes. Are they wearing glasses? Because thermal imaging cameras cannot see through glasses. So you have to prompt somebody to take the glasses off. So we pivoted rapidly. And that was our savior moment because um, all of a sudden our business just took off like a rocket ship because everybody wanted these systems. Um, and um, to the point where we we outperformed FLIR and they came to us and says, we need a system now, we can get that fast to it. 
and they came to us and we actually uh, ended up installing our solution at, at the Pentagon and at the CIA and, and oh my FBI. god I didn't know that story that's amazing yeah it's it was incredible I mean the the press release was all saying FLIR did but we actually designed the technology and put their logo on and actually designed it for them yeah, so yeah. We were behind the scenes it just shows you the power of innovation and being nimble you know I mean you could have looked at it and gone oh holy cow we got to lay people off They're, you know our business right. is gonna decline now but you took you saw the you saw an opportunity a great and you went for it and it did really good that year was absolutely brutal. We, I worked 16 hours, no less than 16 hours a day, every day, every Saturday, every Sunday, the entire. Oh my God, that's horrible. Horrible <laughs> burnout. I yeah. had like. I, I saw the numbers, so the number it paid yeah. off numbers wise, but. Right, but it was it was brutal. But I'm I'm grateful nonetheless, and and our team came together fantastically, and that was just a very, it was a bonding moment for sure. <laughs> yeah. 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 That was awesome. So this year they they're they've predicted a recession, and I have seen it in some of my clients where they're not doing as well as they did last year. Is the recession right. are you seeing any effects on movie therm on with the current recession? Yeah, we, we definitely saw a slowdown in Q1, Q2. Um it there's signs not right now that, that things seem to be turning around. There's there's uh, more activity happening on the sales side right now, but we definitely we definitely saw that and and I think I mentioned that before. We we are kind of closely tracking with the whole like the PMI, the Purchasing Managers Index, um, and it's also kind of has reached the bottom and it's kind of like going back up. So we definitely uh, concur. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Marcus actually introduced me to the PMI, Purchasing Manager Index, and it's really fascinating because it showed in the first part of the year the the, the uh, sentiment of whether companies were going to be purchasing anything was very very low. Right. And then, but it's showing that in third quarter and fourth quarter, it's going to, I would say the work explode and it goes way up. So yeah. it'd be interesting to see if that actually happens. I mean, we, we had a slow summer in terms of signing up new clients, but now all of a sudden we're, we see a lot of activity. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, we're a little one little example of it, but uh, it'll be interesting to see how everybody does as we go through the end of the year. Yeah. Yeah. We're hopeful too, that that thing's going to continue. To I, I would say most we have 40 or 40, 40 clients or so that we're working with. And I would say most of them are not having a good year this year. So yeah, yeah, it's a, it's a, hopefully it's a, it's a short term thing. And I, I know they're still thinking about increasing the interest rates some more. So that's, that's kind of scary, but right, uh, right. we'll see. Um, so you mentioned working 60 hours a week during COVID. What, what about now? What's a normal work week look like for Marcus? Do you, are you working all the weekend and, you know, or do you have, do you think you've created balance in your life where you have a, you know, you have your family, you have your business and you have your activities? Yeah, it's balance is a, is a spectrum on some level, right? Um, I definitely have improved. I'm, I used to work a lot more. I mean, it still seems like a lot, right? Um, and I have managed for the most part to stay away from weekends. Um, so I want to say 45 50 hours work week is, is, is common. Um, I can get away with sometimes less, you know, it's, it's always hard to find that, that balance between personal life and, and, and the company for sure. And I'm also working on, you know, uh, hiring more like middle layer management folks to, to give up more stuff that I'm currently still handling. And, and the hope there is obviously to, to free up, uh, you know, more of my time as I'm doing this as well. Yeah. So. 
So my my observation, I've been working with Marcus for maybe four or five months now, and and I I I sit in on the meetings with all the teams sometimes, and I think you're doing a great job of building an organization and empowering people. Well, thanks. To, you know, to to so you take the burden off yourself, and yeah. you know, not everything not everything goes through you, and and I think that's that's the secret to balance. Is yeah. I also have kudos out to my team. I have an absolute, I couldn't ask for a better team. My, my folks are fantastic, you know, yeah. so really proud of my team as well. Um, so you've been, I mentioned you've been working with us for a few months and typically in our podcast, we ask, you know, what are the benefits of working with Blueprint? Have, is there anything that you can share at, you know, at an initial view of maybe how you think we could help, we're going to be helping you going down the road? Absolutely. Yeah, this is another area that I had identified as kind of like a, a little bit of a, a blind spot of my myself in terms of, okay, how can I manage a company without fully understanding my finances, right? I've been I've been running it more on an intuition basis and then looking at the finances here and there and whatever. But I, I realized that I really need to take this more serious. And that's why, you know, we're happy to have you on board um, to help us with that. Um, really straightening out our accounting and matching up our accounting with with the the efforts uh, that we're doing so we can really trace our profitability properly and really understand by numbers by facts our actions and measuring our actions right and then really see like not just thinking we're doing a good job but actually saying like the proof is in the pudding right like what what is the profitability per job and those kind of things how well does our marketing campaign function can we track it all the way through sales and 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 see the results of it and, and really doing more of what works and doing less of what doesn't or maybe even fixing of what doesn't work so the, the financial side of the business is really uh, critical you know to to understanding this yeah well what's going to be fun i mean one observation i would have is marcus uses his crm uh in a in a very good way to run the business and get a handle on what orders are coming in and, and all of that, but it's really not um, aligned with what's in the accounting system. So, yeah. you know, what we need to do is is get that org organized so that we can see in the QuickBooks what, or the financial system what what sales are, occurred by the different pillars that we are wanting to track. And, and right now that's not set up. So we're going to be doing that over the next uh, few weeks. But um, that way we can see, you know, we can track the activity in the CRM and see how it's impacting the financials, which are based on the orders that are shipped and not on just the orders that are placed. So exactly. Yeah, really like a holistic view of how is how how are we doing, right? Yeah. Really and you know, the other thing is that um to say is, you know, we're we're implementing project accounting, I guess you could call it, where we're tracking what people are doing with their time every day and um, that was done in the past, but then kind of, kind of got put aside. So we're implementing that back again so we can do like what you said, do project profitability kinds of things. And that's going to be fun too, to, to really delve into those numbers. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I'm looking forward to that. Um, so this kind of wraps up our, our podcast. Is there any last tips i mean the one of the one of the goals of the podcast is to share with entrepreneurs your, your story but also you know some things that maybe you learned along the way that it would help uh future budding entrepreneurs uh do better and not make the same mistakes that we made as we started our businesses or is there anything that you could share marcus yeah i think i've actually thought about this quite a bit i, I think the one thing that has helped me the most is really like you know think about um 
joining uh, a peer group of sorts, right? Like you and I, like Investage is, is one example. There's also an organization called uh, Entrepreneur Organization. Um, those are fantastic resources to, to really brainstorm with like-minded people, with other entrepreneurs and, and, and really checking yourself. Do I have blind spots? Am I approaching this problem the right way? You know, and other people have fantastic ideas that you can implement and, and, and you know, those kind of things have been absolutely invaluable. And I wish I would have done that earlier. You know, that's one of those things where like, man, this, this is really good. Yeah. I would agree. So Marcus and I are in a Vistage group and um, there's been 10, uh, well, be around 14 or 15 business owners in the group with us. And when you sit in a meeting and talk about the things that you're, you know, struggling with a little bit, everybody has already, probably, a lot of those people have already gone through that and can, can tell you what they did. And it's very powerful. So, uh, yeah, but it also humbling because you, you have to reveal, you know, that there's something that you're struggling with. So, right. Um, it, but in order to get that feedback, you have to get the, those issues out there and get there, you know, be open and honest about something that you, you haven't quite figured out what, how to do it as well as you think you should and yeah. uh, get, get that, get that input. So it's good stuff. Yeah. You definitely have to be, you know, when you go on that endeavor, you have to be willing to, to open up. We have to be willing to grow. Right. And that comes from being uncomfortable, right. Getting out of your comfort zone yeah. and, and pushing it, you know, I think when people join Vistage, they're they're hopefully they're recognizing that that they don't know everything about everything and that they probably could benefit from being part of a group. So uh, that it's I've I found it. I've been in the Marcus has been in the group longer than me, but I've been in the group a couple of years now, I think. And it's mm -hmm. it's I was I'm totally surprised how much I get out of it. So, it, right. you know, I, when I joined, I thought, well, I'm, a, I'm an older fellow. I've been doing this for a long time. I know I know how to do it. But. <laughs> There's still things that, you know, especially because the world keeps changing and you have to change with it. So, yeah, it is humbling sometimes. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you, Marcus, for being on our podcast. Um, we're Blueprint CFO and um, our website is www.blueprintcfo.com. So if we are if there are any entrepreneurs out there that are watching the show and, and think that maybe they could benefit from getting a better handle on their data, please let us know and uh, either send me an email at jdowns at blueprintcfo.com or go to our website and request the initial uh, meeting, which is free. So thank you very much, Marcus. Uh, it's been a pleasure to have you on the podcast and talk to you soon. Yeah. Thanks so much. It was great. Mm -hmm.